What do two sinking ships, a plane crash, the end of the world, and a rotating cube controlled by a UFO have in common? Find out in today's episode with our guest, The Amazement, as we go Beyond the Blocks. Now, one thing that a lot of successful people tell others is that you need to stand out, find a niche, or perhaps carve your own, and create an audience for yourself. And I think that's exactly what you've done with your games Robots Titanic, Robots Britannic, and Survivor Plane Crash. But that's not where your Roblox journey started, so how did your kind of disaster survival roleplay genre come about? I've always been interested in the concept of human versus nature, and what humans have done to develop their civilization to fight against the forces of nature that make life harder and being able to see how this fight has not just stopped because we are in what we call like modern civilization but it's in fact a continuous battle that humans have to deal with and making games that can be based off of that is very interesting to me. So we'll start with Titanic as I know you spent a long time on that within Yo 22 um, so what drove you kind of to recreate the Titanic specifically as opposed to other notable disasters? When I was seven years old, I was really interested in James Cameron's 1997 Titanic film, and I would watch it over and over again. I actually had a VHS tape of it, so I would watch the second part of it more often because I was interested in the sinking dynamics and different floors of the different decks of the ship being flooded at different times i was interested in all of that and and i just kept watching the story over and over again and then several years pass and then i go to a titanic museum in branson missouri and this re-sparks my interest again and then when i got home from that i was already on roblox for about a year before i had this game that was a racing car game because i was very into the burnout series as a kid Burnout Revenge, Burnout 3, stuff like that. And so I had this overscaled car that I built, and then I based off of I based the Titanic length off of that car. And so I lined up several like tens of them, and then I made the ship that long. And so this game became very overscaled, and it was the first model of Roblox Titanic. And then I put that onto a series of bricks that would delete themselves, and it was on a pivot brick, so that as the bow would sink down, the stern would lift up as the pivot point was holding it up. And then this fell all the way down. And this is the first version of Roblox Titanic, how it worked with physics before the new method that that we created in 2015. And uh, this method was live from 2009 to 2015. And Roblox physics got much better within that time as well. But we, it was a constant battle to deal with Roblox physics because sometimes the ship would come off of its apparatus. It would, the pivot point would just not be enough to hold it in and it, the ship would fall off and that would break the game. So we had to deal a lot with that in the early days. But now we have a sustainable, stable version of the sinking so that it's never going to break. Well, it's interesting because I suppose the physics of a ship sinking is quite complex. They're very, very heavy um, and very massive, aren't they? So... It's interesting that you that you struggle with robots physics because I think um, a lot of games kind of struggle in that regard, and they've definitely done a lot of improvements lately. 
Um, so does the does the method that it uses from 2015 onwards just completely bypass robots physics and just do it through scripting, or how does that work? Yeah, roughly it it bypasses physics by using what I call an anchor part, and that anchor part is moved however I want it, and then the ship is just tied to that anchor part so that it does whatever I want it to do. So where did um, Inyo 22 fit into the development of Titanic, and when did that begin? Inyo 22 messaged me in 2011, so the game had been out for about a year and a half at that time, and I was competing with a few other Titanic games at the time, so I'm, I guess I'm very lucky that Inyo 22 messaged me about it. He wanted to show me some ships that he built, and one of them was Titanic, and I was very interested in because he had much better building skill than I had, and I was more focused in on scripting. I was scripting interesting ideas to the game at the time, such as you could save the ship, and if you get binoculars to the lookouts, although that's not necessarily historically accurate that they would have saved the ship if they had binoculars. However, I was implementing these interesting game design things that would make the game better, and Inyo 22 must have seen that and wanted to see if he could help out in any way. So he messaged me, and then later in 2011, we created another Titanic game with his model, with some of the features that I was creating. And the main the main part of why that failed at the time was because the physics of the ship, it was too much for Roblox engine to handle at the time. There was about four times as many parts in Inyo 22's Titanic model than my Titanic model at the time. And with the physics method that we used at the time, it wasn't enough to sustainably make the game work. So I kept the classic Titanic for four more years after that until we created a new sinking method. And on the journey to create a new sinking method is actually where the cube simulator story comes in. Okay, brilliant. I mean, yeah, go for it. Tell us about Cube Simulator as well, because I suppose you, you've got the Titanic, you've later created uh, you know, sister ship Britannic. More recently, we can talk about the plane crash, but going to Cube Simulator, what's that all about? Because I, I don't think that quite fits in with the, uh, the other games in terms of their genre. Yeah, Cube Simulator was during the heat of the murder mystery craze where there's one person with so much power and then there's everyone else running around like innocents. And I was thinking of ways I could make an interesting game like that. However, I was also on my quest to find out a better sinking method for sinking ships in Roblox. And what I found out with Cube Simulator was I was experimenting with body angular velocity. And I think that's deprecated now. And this body angular velocity was a way that I could rotate the cube, but it wasn't a cube at first. I was just trying to rotate a single a single part in in a certain way to make it look like it's a ship sinking. However, it it kept rotating, it rotated all the way around, and then I thought that would be kind of cool if there was an obstacle course going up this and then you have to get above it before it rotates over 90 degrees so then you can no longer climb up it and so i was thinking it would be an interesting way to have an obstacle course like a one-way obstacle course but then i figured like why why not make it a cube and then so there was a cube obstacle course and then i was wondering well i could put in this uh this person and call it the controller and then have this one player control this cube and use 
physics and natural blockades and walls to allow like to force players to be stuck and then they could fall off because the tilt of the cube would get too great for them to stay on and so that's where the idea of cube simulator started and then i wanted the people on the cube to be able to kill the ufo which was the controller at this point and so then i added a a gun pickup system and then you could shoot the ufo now it's not entirely i'm not entirely sure if that was the best way to do it because I'm not very proficient in gun scripting or anything. Sometimes people say the hit detection was off. However, that was the main part of the game, and the game got reviewed by um, Max Bentley. He he did a bunch of Roblox reviews back in the day, and so it was like really cool to have your game featured on his um, partnership with Roblox at the time for game reviews. And it also got in the Roblox blog at the time, with the article called Cube Simulator is Addictive, Fun, and Uniquely Roblox. And so this was really fun to have this game up. And I was actually invited to Roblox GDC 2015 as well to show off the game. And that's uh, that was one of the cool things about it. However, uh, later in 2015, um, the game eventually just fell off. I think it was because it was previously successful in the paid access game sort. And when I took it off the paid access, there was nothing left to advertise the game itself except for the previous hype and which eventually died off. So I think that's a main thing why the game died off. And it got me to think more about game sorts on Roblox and how how success is made. I mean, it's really interesting because it's quite a unique concept. I can see why it, it took off the way it did and, and why you got all the different reviews. Um, because I suppose it still has that kind of survival aspect that the others maybe do. Um, but it's, it's interesting that nobody really created anything of that sort in terms of this rotating cube using, of course, like the default physics to your advantage in terms of players having to kind of cling on and, and not fall off. Um, and it's really interesting actually to hear that it, it spun out of you working on another game and kind of just seeing this opportunity and taking it. Um, and I think that's definitely where these types of things can go. You can just take an opportunity. It can be way more successful than you expected it to be and just kind of follow all the different opportunities and avenues that present themselves. Yeah, I'm very happy with how it did because at the time it allowed me to pay for a semester of college and that was much needed and i barely skirted through college with with having enough money to pay for the next semester so it was like i needed all i could take with it and a lot of that was from paid, paid access success it had about fifty thousand sales that was a lot for paid access back in the day in 2014 it was it was created in the fall of 2014 so i'm just i'm very happy with how it did and i want to eventually get back to it because i think there is potential there and yeah, it is similar. It has survival aspects to it. And it's much different from our other Virtual Valley games because it's completely fictional. It's There's no history or anything behind any of it. So it's all just all good and fun and kind of lighthearted. Well, did that kind of aspect of um, fiction, lighthearted fiction and you know not basing it off history did that perhaps inspire any of the work that you did on survivor plane crash later on because um as far as i 
am aware Survivor Plane Crash is also fictional and, and not based off history. Yeah, correct. Survivor Plane Crash is completely fictional. It's uh, The main game mode we have currently is you fly it too high. There's a bunch of things wrong with the airlines. The captain is not entirely like a real captain. So there's like a bunch of things that are completely ridiculous in the game. So it's not supposed to be super scary or anything. And then uh, the plane itself is old and decrepit. So it's just a very a very fictional play on the classic Roblox genre, which never had a super popular game, but everybody knows that game mode where the plane falls out of the sky. And so we wanted to recreate that in a, a more game story driven focus. Well, it's, it's surprising how popular some of these survival games are. Um, it's, it's interesting how they can be really, really popular and lots of people enjoy them. Um, they're quite casual games where you don't have to think about it. There's no long-term consequences to your actions. Um, they are just light-hearted fun, I suppose. Um, and it's not the they're not the only survival games that you've created. I know that um, kind of more old, inactive games that you've had include Survive the End of Classic Roblox or Survive the End of the World. Um, what happened to to that game, and where did that fit in the timeline? That fits in the timeline around the same time. A little bit after I first created the original Roblox Titanic in fall 2009. In spring 2010, that's when I created the first version of Survive the End of the World. And funny enough, that name was actually content deleted. So I changed it to Survive the End of the World with a zero as the O instead. But then a few weeks later, I changed it entirely to Survive the End of Roblox. And that's how a lot of people know it today. Um, but essentially that project died off a little bit more in 2014. It just because the focus shifted to making sure that we wanted to make the Roblox Titanic high quality and, and with that being high quality, we could continue to do with what we could continue to do what we wanted to do, which was make games on Roblox. And so we saw, we saw how Titanic was working for us and we wanted to make it the best we could make it. Like, we wanted to prove ourselves that we could do it. Yeah, I think a lot of other developers can probably sort of sympathize and have similar stories in terms of creating uh, lots of different games, lots of ideas, and then kind of pursuing the one that is most successful. Is uh, Robots Titanic the one that kind of took you from just doing it as a hobby to becoming full-time? Yes, it, it definitely is. I've been part-time Roblox for since 2013. I've been able to pay my share of college um, pay for my share of college in the u.s which is not particularly cheap <laughs> so uh, i've been able to pay for all my food and all that with roblox ever since 2013 however it was really only 2018 when we did an update to roblox titanic that i could legitimately take this super full time so with the update where we replaced the ship in 2018 in year 22 and mr titanic 44 had rebuilt the ship and this is much more efficient ship and it's it's working much better it lags less and there's less there's less triangles in the game in the in the model so it all works better and that's what really took off in 2018 and so we've been doing updates to that ever since and then we've also made our two other games within these 3 years as well an entirely different team of builders created the Britannic and 
I scripted the the 1.0 release of that, and that's also so Britannic is the sister ship of Titanic, and it sank about four and a half years later in November 1916. So it sank in the Aegean Sea. Um, it was it was on its way to pick up wounded soldiers in World War One, and there was no soldiers on the ship at the time. It was mainly um, crew and nurses. And so um, a total, a lot less people died on the Britannic than the Titanic. And the people who died on the Britannic were actually gruesomely shredded in propellers because the ship was still actually moving while it was sinking and they launched lifeboats too early. It was just chaos. We created Britannic as the sequel to the Roblox Titanic, essentially showing off another sinking game in history that has happened and uh, this one had different, much different circumstances. Hmm. Well, I suppose after turning your your kind of career into full time, you've got the time to pursue these sort of uh, sequels and and other games within the within the game studio that you've created. When you were developing it alongside university or college, what was that like in terms of trying to manage your time? Obviously, you don't want to sacrifice the the education that you're doing, but also you were using it to help fund the education what was that like trying to find a nice balance it was very tough and times were extremely dire back then it was it was very stressful to say the least and so if anyone's out there trying to juggle university and game development you're not alone and people have been there and yeah it's it's essentially I would say a lot of patience is required and a lot of putting off gratification is required to be able to do that successfully. Yeah, definitely. I think for for myself, I've been trying to balance it with my university as well, though I've, I've probably not got to the same level of success that you have with Titanic. It is definitely difficult to try and balance stuff. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to finishing having a bit more time and potentially turning it into full time, um, being a little bit more relaxed and obviously having the time to be able to put in to refine, refine your games and focus. Yeah, I've, I've looked at your games you're working on and they're definitely great quality. So I'll be really excited for you after you graduate from college. It's one of the things where, as you say, you've kind of got to put off releasing those. I don't want to release them too early, of course. Um, and I want to, to get them done well. That obviously takes a very long time, more so than it would do if you if you weren't at university. Um, so I just have to play the long game and be a bit patient with it. It's very true. Uh, releasing too early can be a big detriment. That's actually part of the story of how Cube Simulator failed. It was I wanted to release it on Christmas of 2014, and I've released it free. And like I said earlier, therefore it fell off of the paid access game sort so it was no longer heavily advertised and then it just kind of fell apart after that because you can't you can't really put a game that was previously free back to paid access people did not like that so it just fell apart after that now one thing i did want to ask about your games and uh, vvg in particular is that you put out a kind of a public statement on twitter about all the games you've created um, and that you won't be publishing them to Roblox China because there was recently an announcement from Roblox that they're introducing Roblox China. It's kind of an opt-in program, um, and doing so 
forfeits some certain rights and things like that to your work, but allows it to enter this very, very big market that is China. Um, so really just, yeah, where did that statement come from? And why has VVG taken that decision not to opt into that program? We're very happy in the last year or two, we're very happy with the amount of money we're able to make. So we're no longer like trying to get into markets that will have a lot of risk associated with it. And the risk being the questionable IP uh, transfers with letting your game into China. And so also we're not really interested in other aspects of the Chinese market, like working with the CCP and obviously we're not working directly with them, but it's like, I I just am a bit sketched out with it. So I don't want to continue with that. I am happy with making games for the rest of the world. Absolutely. Well, it was a very sort of controversial announcement, I suppose, from Roblox about Roblox China. Um, and IP, for those who don't know, is is your intellectual property, which is uh, obviously what you've created. Now, in kind of the US markets and things like that, people can't just copy your things. They're quite well protected. Um, and Roblox allow you to kind of continue to own your IP. Um, whereas with this uh, Roblox China announcement, and I think the reason why it's an opt-in and not automatic... Um, is of course all those issues that you brought up um, and the fact that you give away some of those rights um, and we're not quite sure what the implications are for those back in the US markets as well. Now talking about kind of Roblox announcements, Roblox changes, uh, obviously that was published to the developer forum uh, and the developer forum is a very, very useful tool that we've talked about before on this podcast, we've talked about with lots of people um, in that it is a place where developers can obviously post about bugs and things like that for Roblox um, and also just help each other out with with various different uh, scripting issues and things like that. So how do you use the developer forum for kind of your games and your studio and things like that? We use the developer forum for posting on the bulletin board of all of the different updates. Every five minor updates, we have what we call a major update and that's when we release all of the information to the developer form about the previous five minor updates plus the major update. And this is put onto the game description itself so that everyone can see the, the update log. And uh, otherwise, our minor updates are always posted onto our Discord server at virtualvaluegames.com slash Discord. So we use the developer form to communicate updates to the the main players who are on the games page who want to see the who see the update log and click it and then as a developer I use the developer form to post suggestions and other tutorials for developers suggestions to Roblox about cool things they could change to make developers lives easier I suppose the developer forum in terms of the the game log side of it it's one of the few places that you can actually link to on Roblox which is very very useful um, especially for those who can't join Discord and things like that. But I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of speaking to Roblox, giving them feedback and things like that, particularly on changes uh, like Roblox China, like the different updates that they've got, the physics updates, for example, that might have helped Titanic. And it's open to more and more developers lately, I find, the developer forum. So, yeah, it's a very, very useful tool, I think. Definitely. And with the developer forum, with their social links on Roblox, they allow Twitter, Discord, and the Roblox website 
But one of the things that I like to suggest on the, de on the developer forum is to allow Instagram as another social link because um, Instagram is kind of a, another good way of expanding your player base with hashtags. Other people on their explore page on Instagram can find out about your game. Even if they've never heard of Roblox before, they can see your posts on their explore page and then they can get into it. So we're actually, VBG is involved in a pretty big plethora of ship communities on Instagram. Well, that's interesting because I think a lot of developers um, stick to kind of Twitter. I think that's where a lot of the community is, um, probably historically because you were only allowed to post kind of YouTube and Twitter links on Roblox. Uh, and even with the social media links being added, as you said, it's it's not got all of them. Um, and Instagram and some of the other newer social media platforms aren't on there. It's interesting because I've created an Instagram recently as well. I tend to use stories more than posts, but it's interesting the, the kind of using the hashtags for discovery. And you've got probably about, I think, 3,000 followers on Instagram. How does your Instagram presence kind of compare to some of the more traditional ones like Twitter? Um, and how many players do you think you kind of get through that? Uh, in my opinion, it's although we probably get some players involved because of Instagram and, and also TikTok, another place we're on, I think that it's mainly about creating a presence outside of the game itself so that people are thinking about your game and they're wanting to play it on the weekend or whenever they can again so that they are put they're up to date on the current updates and if something, if one update catches their eye then they'll be notified of that when they're going about their everyday life with their social media usage and with that then we're able to build a long-term relationship with players and stuff another thing is not only is vbg on instagram but adopt me is on instagram too and they have 1.6 million followers so roblox is really missing the bandwagon here with allowing developers to link their instagram on the social links it's just a no-brainer in my opinion it makes sense, I suppose. I don't know why Facebook and, and Twitter are enabled to social links and, and Instagram isn't. Um, but I think it's it's going to be a very useful tool and also very good for interaction. I think I probably get a lot more interaction on my Instagram stories, more so than I do on kind of the traditional platforms like Twitter, uh, despite having more followers on Twitter. I think I get more interaction on Instagram and kind of more useful interaction as well with things like polls and and various different things you can do on stories definitely yeah polls and all of those reactions like the slider like the fire slider <laughs> so it's like this is awesome or this sucks like that's really cool to add as well as well as you can create stories that are put onto your front page of the profile so you can see stories forever um just based off of uh, I forget what they're called, but you group together a bunch of stories and then it creates a, a folder for it and you can have anybody who visits your profile check that out at any time. So not only are your stories there for a long time if you want them to be, but it can it can add more it can add more history to your Instagram so you can get more out of it. Yeah, definitely. Now another topic that I wanted to cover was your brother Sim Builder, which a lot of our listeners might know from Vehicle Simulator and kind of the metaverse that he's creating. But I just kind of wondered how you two kind of develop your games. You you obviously create quite different games um, in that SimBuilder has created Vehicle Simulator and you're kind of more in the disaster survival kind of category. Are you just interested in different things? Yeah, this is interesting because one of the stories I was talking about earlier was 
I was very into Burnout, the Burnout series, Burnout Revenge, Burnout 3. And obviously I was playing that with my brother as well as other friends at the time. So I had this this map where you drive around and you race around. And then that's when I replaced it with the Titanic. And so I, I was interested in, in racing games as well. And I did do a little bit of, like, I wanted to help him a lot with programming in 2015 when he was developing a vehicle simulator and then he moved out to california for a while so that was kind of like a, a separation so we we got we got into our own grooves and we're able to we we basically have developed our own teams throughout time and we're able to do what we do on our own independently but we could also potentially cooperate however we're very comfortable with doing things independently have you ever helped each other kind of solve each other's development problems on your different um, projects? Obviously, it's useful to have kind of an independent party who's not been working on it to help you kind of see the solutions that perhaps you're blinded by when you're when you're working on a project. Historically, he's had a very talented programmer who is the CTO of Vehicle Simulator or Summit Studios, at least. So they, we have not been able, or we have not needed to help each other with problems, as we just have developed our own, um, our own niches that we are specialized in. So we kind of, we kind of have gotten into what we got into just based off of our experience. And so needing to help each other has not been a with a actual Roblox problems like code and stuff has not been an issue. I, th- I think if me and my sister um, were kind of interested in the same industry. We'd probably be quite competitive as well. I think we've always been a bit competitive with each other. Um, how does that work in terms of your relationship? Do you kind of compete in terms of how big your games are, or are you just very supportive when the other person kind of takes off a big win? You know, for example, Vehicle Simulator being sponsored by Hot Wheels, was that a really positive thing for you, or did you feel like you now want to go out and get a sponsorship for Robots Titanic, for example? No, the, the Hot Wheels was a was a good win, so we were happy uh, for each other at the time. It's not been easy in the past. However, currently we're very good, so we have no issues. But it was not easy to build up to that point, is what I'm saying. And so we're very grateful for how things have turned out so far. Because yeah, it, it could it could potentially be very bad. That's fair enough. I, th- I think I can definitely sympathise with that. At least in my family, I'm, I'm glad that we're me, me and my sister are interested in very different things, uh, which means that we can obviously uh, be very happy for each other without, uh, without anything like that. So the last topic I wanted to ask you about was uh, Roblox toys, because for a lot of our guests, they've uh, been fairly popular developers, and something that sometimes happens if you're well-known and people know your avatar is that Roblox will design a toy based on your avatar, um, so we've spoken to Avera and we've spoken to Scripton recently who had to tweak his avatar to make it acceptable as a toy. Now obviously I was looking into this before we had spoken today uh, and couldn't find a toy for you. However, I did find that Inyo22 has one. So I just wondered, had you annoyed someone at Roblox? No, I haven't annoyed anyone at Roblox to my knowledge. Although with all my suggestions on the developer form, possibly not. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But the real reason is because I haven't asked for one. I never asked for a toy. And we do in fact have a Roblox Titanic socialite toy. And that was made for the game itself based off of a character that they made up in the, f- in the first place. So that toy was actually 
created in 2019 and well 2018 and then uh, we used it in the roblox egg hunt of 2019 when roblox titanic was featured in the egg hunt and so that was a npc character that you would have to help find her lost luggage and that's the roblox titanic socialite so that is a toy based off of the roblox titanic game however my character as the amaze man does not have a toy and that's because i simply haven't asked for one i want to see if there's a potential where i would get it without asking i think a lot of people find that there's a bit of pressure to to then lock in your avatar i suppose a lot of developers do anyway just to to keep them recognizable um, but I suppose once you do have a toy, you then can't change anything. Oh yeah, I, I'm not worried about having my avatar locked. I'm very simple with my avatar. It's just a, a maze shirt that a fan made in 2010, and I've kept it ever since, with maybe a couple times where I've changed it. But And then a ninja mask, which is one of the most classic Roblox hats of all time. The clockwork shades, which symbolizes the success of uh, previous Roblox communities, community members going into work at Roblox. That's what that symbolizes to me. And one of the ninja mask like uh, headbands. So those are my three hats and that is my outfit that I've had since 2010. Yeah, that's fair enough. If it worked for the first 11 years, I'm sure it'll keep working. Yep. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you very much for joining us, The Amazement. Is there anything that you'd like our listeners to check out? Uh, if you want to check out the Cube Simulator blog back in the day, it's a blast of history from the past about a fictional game. Then there's the virtualvalleygames.com, which has some time lapse of our games. And then there's our group itself with our most notable game, Roblox Titanic, as well. Perfect. Well, you can find links to Virtual Valley Games and all the different things we've spoken about. Uh, as well as the amazement social media in the description of this episode on YouTube. Beyond the Blocks is brought to you by Vantech Systems, a development studio creating interactive game systems and solutions on Roblox. Find Vantech's profile on Roblox and click through to the Vantech Systems group for more information. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time on Beyond the Blocks.